Well, we welcome you to week two of our simple Christmas, and with all the chaos and complexity of what we've been through through 2020, we're ready to get rid of 2020, just get ready for 2021, and hope and pray that 2021 is much better than what we've been through. But with all the complexities that we have been facing, it's nice to be able to kind of focus on something more simple. Simple is good. Uh, I, 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 if you're like me, I like simple shopping, okay? I don't like complex shopping. I like simple. I'm like one store. Just drop me off at a store, and I can find a gift for every member of my family. That's just that's how I roll, you know? Put me in front of a computer, and I can find anything I need on Amazon to get shipped right to our door. Uh, and some of the presents, we have to have them shipped in other places because our kids you know, our home at times when, you know, FedEx guy comes and, and they get to open the uh, package and be able to see what they have. So we've got to be very strategic about it. So that part is not all that simple, but the shopping part is very simple. And so we can look at Christmas in, in uh, the complexities of life, or we can look at uh, Christmas in a more simple way. And I do want to remind you that in the time that Jesus was born, things were very complex. You had a, you had a Roman government that was uh, just really trying to ru- uh, run people's lives and ruin people's lives, and was, they were heavily taxed, and they had to jump through all of these hoops, and not only uh, through the Romans, but the Jewish people had to go through all of these hoops of, of all these rules and regulations that the uh, Jewish scribes and the lawmakers have, have been adding for years and years and years to what is actually in God's word, and they had to do all of this extra stuff, and it was just so complex. And God's like, you know, I didn't mean it for that to be so complex. Let me, let me do something that's more simple, and that is to send Jesus Christ into the world. And we, last week we talked about that. And, of course, this series is, 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 uh, will take us on a journey. Last week we talked about a simple plan that involves simple parents at a simple place for a simple purpose. And that simple purpose I will share on our Christmas Eve service. But last week we talked about a simple plan that began at creation. All the way from creation, God planned to send Jesus. So there, we, you can actually go back and, and look at that sermon and be able to see, all right, um, I know what uh, Pastor Frank's talking about, but we laid that out, uh, out for you and for us. And God was not surprised by our sin. He was not caught off guard by the sin that in, entered the world. In fact, I even made the case that God, uh, God really made room for your sin, for my sin, for Adam and Eve's sin. He made room for that, okay? He was kind of expecting that. He was not surprised at all by sin in the world. Now, it doesn't mean that, that he, was, uh, uh, he was for it. It doesn't mean that he caused it. He just knew that it was going to happen. And so, how do we know he planned for your sin, for my sin? Because he planned for a way. We, we just got through singing about that. The way maker. He planned the way of escape from our sin through the blood of Jesus Christ and for us to be able to follow in that simple way of believing in Jesus and what he did for us. So, today, we go on from a simple plan that involved simple parents. 
Mary and Joseph will be our focus for today. And uh, as, we, as we look at several passages of scripture and as we look deep into what they were going through, uh, it's important to realize that uh, think, of, think of God's situation. God is in heaven. He needs to send Jesus down uh, to earth. And he needs um, a girl, okay? He needs, he needs someone to be a mother and he needs someone to be a father. And not just a surrogate mother. He needs a mother who can show love. He needs a father who can show character and to be able to teach Jesus some things. Because Jesus was taught by God through the, the Holy Spirit, but, but Jesus was taught earthly things by his father. And some of the things that Joseph was able to teach him, he was able to use in his ministry. And not only Jesus, but other members of his family, as we will see that. But God, God's simple plan involved simple people, not people of authority, not people of, of wealth, not people of fame, not people who would live a complex life and, and are pulled away by certain groups. Okay, it just, it, the simplest form of people on planet Earth, God wanted to be able to raise his son Jesus. And so this simple parent's sermon involves basically a, a story of how a moment of crisis leads to the measure of character, which then leaves, leads to confirmation. Confirmation of what God is doing in their life. And I want us to be able to take what Mary and Joseph experienced, and I want us to be able to use it in our lives. And my hope today is to uh, take you on this journey with me as we do this together. It's easy to think of the Christmas story like this, that an angel tells Mary, uh, of, hey, you're, you're gonna be with child. We have this angel announcement, and then you have this, uh, the census, the Roman government put out, and so Mary and Joseph had to go to Bethlehem because of uh, the census, and then you have this, uh, there's no room in the inn, you know, there's no place to go, and so we've got to find a place for, for Jesus to be born, he was in a stable, then some shepherds and wise men came, and that's basically the story of Christmas, you know, pass the eggnog, all right, we're good, we've heard it many, many times before. But if we place ourselves in their situation, we can be able to, we'll be able to see what they were going through, be able to see what they had to experience. And so Mary and Joseph, if we put ourselves in their shoes, there's one thing that we can relate with, okay? There might be if, you, if For you mothers out there, obviously you can relate with this, okay, to a certain extent. But there's one thing we can, uh, that most of us who have been in, in an engagement situation can relate with. And that is the fact that Mary and Joseph were engaged to be married. Just a few weeks ago, uh, our oldest daughter, Madison, uh, was, uh, she accepted, she said yes, finally, to a... Um, uh, to our future son-in-law, Michael. 
and um, Michael proposed to Madison, and um, they're preparing for the wedding. In fact, this, this past Friday, uh, Susanna and I were able to go see the, um, the venue where they're going to be married, and, and uh, she'll be married on, they'll be married on April 10th, and it's coming really, really soon, and all this stuff. But one thing about uh, that Madison and Michael, I really, really admire, and I'm so thankful for. And, I, and I've been praying for Michael for, for years. I, I, I actually prayed for Michael before Michael was even born. And I can go back and look at my prayer journals whenever we found out that Madison was, was, uh, was, uh, was coming and Suzanne was pregnant. I began praying for this child and then when we found out it was a girl before she was born, obviously I, I began praying for her future husband. So I've been praying for Michael for many, many years. And so what I love about their story is that Madison and Michael have saved themselves for one another. And in fact, Madison, I mean, she, she has told us many times, as she's told, obviously, Michael this, that she's never even kissed a guy. She's never even kissed Michael. <laughs> she's waiting for her wedding day to kiss a boy. And she wants her first kiss to be with her husband. Now, that is amazing. That's amazing. And you may think, man, what an, what an awesome story, not just a story, but an awesome commitment that they have for one another. But let's just say we get a phone call, and let's just say that Madison is pregnant. And let's say that Madison is pregnant, and the father is not Michael. Now, that would send shockwaves to our family and all of our friends. We'll be like, no, we, we don't believe that at all. There's just, there's just no way. Not, not Madison. Not Madison Bennett. There's no way. Well, can I tell you something? That was Mary and Joseph. That situation, that sort of hypothetical situation that I just described, out of a really pure relationship and a godly relationship is the story of Mary and Joseph. They had a moment of crisis, and that moment of crisis involved a pregnancy. If you would turn your copy of God's Word to Matthew chapter 1, I am going to have several passages of, of Scripture, but there's only going to be two that I really uh, kind of focus in on um, and uh, spend some time on. One of them is Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. If you don't have your copy of God's Word, no problemo. We will have that on the screen. So let's read Matthew 1, 18 through 21. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David... Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So let me describe sort of the structure of a Jewish wedding. I've done this in, in years past at Christmas time. 
So a Jewish wedding has some similar elements to our, our sort of a, a wedding uh, and how we do things. But a Jewish wedding really has two parts. You have the betrothal, and we'll just kind of call it the engagement. But the, the betrothal part, the first part of the wedding, was really more serious. They actually had a ceremony, a betrothal ceremony. And after that ceremony, the, uh, the future husband, or really the, the husband, because they consider themselves married, but they, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't consummate the marriage together until the second part of the wedding ceremony, which would happen several weeks, months later. And the reason why is because the future husband, he had to go and prepare a place for them. A lot of times he would either build, uh, you know, build something new or he would add on to the parent's house, okay, or, or, or whatever. And so he would prepare that place. In fact, we see a little bit of this where, where Jesus talked about this. When talking about the church as his bride, you have this two-part marriage ceremony between uh, Christ and the, his bride, which is the church. That's you. Okay, you all would look real, well, most of you would look really good in wedding gowns, okay? Some of you guys, I'm imagining that right now, and it's really scaring me. But the, the first part of the wedding between Jesus and his bride, the church, had already happened. He came, he gave his life, he ushered in the Holy Spirit, and then he's going to prepare a place, as we see in John 14, two and three, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me that you may also may be where I am. So the second part of the marriage ceremony between the bride and Christ is his return. And so Mary and Joseph are caught between this moment between the betrothal and the second part of the marriage. And so that's where we find Mary and Joseph. But it's interesting, we, the passage we just read just talked about the law. You know, the, this moment of crisis happened when Mary was seen pregnant before the second part of this marriage ceremony, before the marriage was consummated in the bedroom. This is a very big problem because in the Jewish law, as we see in Deuteronomy 22, verse 20 through 21, it says this, if however the charge is true and no proof of the young woman's virginity can be found, she shall be brought to the door of her father's house and there the men in her town shall stone her to death. She has done an outrageous thing in Israel by being promiscuous while still in her father's house. You must purge the evil from among you. You don't think this entered into her mind? She knows the law. This definitely entered into her mind. What about Joseph? Okay? Of course this entered into his mind. But what's interesting is that, is that Joseph, he decided to instead to divorce her. Now you may say, what an what a insensitive, arrogant man to divorce her just because she's pregnant. Because imagine, she's pregnant and he knows it's not him and he has every right according to the law to stone her. And yet, he decides not to because he loves her. 
and he decides to do it quietly as we just read. And so when moments of crisis happen, even in our own lives, you and I, we have moments of crisis. Now some of those crisis moments could be very large and some can be pretty small. But in those moments of crisis is where we find out, you find out, and everyone else finds out, the measure of your character. There's no greater time to find the, the measure of, a, of the character of someone than in a moment of crisis. It's a moment of crisis we find out who we are. We get to see their character. And so in this measure of, of, of character, that character can be revealed. So what reveals your character? What we're gonna find out here uh, from this passage is that number one, we place others above ourselves. So according to Jewish law, as I said earlier, Joseph could have had Mary stoned. It's a perfect setup. It's a perfect setup for a stoning. <laughs> hey, you gonna go to a stoning? Yeah, I'm having a stoning. I mean, it's a perfect setup. The stoning, because Mary had the announcement of the angel, and, and the Bible says, we're gonna get into more of this next week, but the Bible says she went to go visit her cousin, Elizabeth, and she was gone for months. And she comes back, she has a little pooch. And so she can't hide that. And so it's obvious. So Joseph's thinking, okay, you went away for a while, you come back pregnant, and you're telling me an angel said that you got pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Are you kidding me? So you have to think, Joseph, who's thinking logically, he's thinking, all right, the, the, she's gone psycho. My, my wife, my future wife has gone psycho, and I need to take care of this. And I, I really care for her, and so instead of stoning her, I'm just gonna quietly divorce her. Quietly divorce her. I can imagine him... If the internet was available, he'd you know, pull up divorcemywife.com and figure out a way to kind of just have the papers done and, and filled out. He divorced her quietly. This shows the character of Joseph. Y'all, this is important. This is important. This shows the character of Joseph. Because why? Because Joseph has placed Mary above himself. When you go through a crisis, you can tell the measure of your character by how you place others ahead of yourself. Meaning, do you make the, the moment of crisis about you? Do you make the moment of crisis all about you? Or do you deflect some of that? Joseph did not make it about himself. He placed Mary above himself. That is huge. Second thing we find Joseph doing is that he trusts the word of God. Probably days, maybe even hours before Joseph was gonna file a divorce quietly 
An angel of the Lord spoke to Joseph in a dream. Now it's a dream. Mary got the actual dude. He got the, she got the actual, you know, Gabriel, you know. But, but Joseph just got a dream. So with a dream, and he could have chosen to believe the dream or not believe the dream, but he decided to believe the dream and to trust in God. And he decided to go with Mary's plan as what Gabriel had, sh- had told her. And so when you and I in our moment of crisis, not only will we not, get, not make it about ourselves, but we will trust the words of God. Joseph was given the words of God through a dream. Now you and I are given the words of God through the Bible. When you have a moment of crisis, turn to God's word. Trust in the words of God, it will show your character. It will reveal your character. And not only God's word, but the words of the Holy Spirit. I like to say words of God because God's word is still speaking. Not only is this word still speaking as we invite the Holy Spirit to read God's word, but also as we spend time in prayer, we're able to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts, to speak to our spirits, and to give us instruction, to give us hope. And so Joseph was a man of great character. He put Mary above himself, and he trusts in the word of God. We also have the third part of this, of this character revealing of, of Joseph and, and Mary, is submit to the Lord. This is, what, this is uh, Mary, Mary's part. She submitted to the Lord, as, as we see in Luke 1.38. She says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So with the announcement, I am the Lord's servant. She was submitting to the angel. She didn't have a whole lot of, she had, she had questions like, okay, how, how is this going to happen? Since I've never been, been with a man before? She had that, I mean, that's a natural question, but she did not uh, have rebuttals to God's plan. She did not tell Gable, okay, maybe we could do this a little bit different. Could we handle this differently? What if we did this? Or what if we did such and such? Or what if we, you know, what if you sent me away, far, far away, and I came back years later? Or, you know, what, could there be another way? She'd never, she never said that. She's like, I'm yours. I'm yours. Your plan. Even though I may not understand your plan, God, I'm going to submit to your plan. Wow, can't that speak to us today? In moments of crisis, and we will all go through them, and some of you have been through them, and some of you are going through them right now. In moments of crisis, to be able to say, you know, God, I don't understand, but I trust in you. I submit to you. Whatever you say is what I'm going to do. And we see in, in God's word that God's favor was on her because the way she submitted, we see this in that same chapter, Luke 1, 28 through 30. Then the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor 
with God. God knew that she was going to submit to him because guess what? She probably has been submitting her life and her heart to God. And God's like, you know, Mary, I like Mary. I like Mary. Jesus, what do you think? Yeah, I like Mary. Let's choose Mary. She's been submitting her heart. She's been been submitting her, her own will to my plan in her life. God knew, hey, Mary, you are highly favored. You're God's favorite, (laughs) you know? And so if you want to walk in the favor of God, place others above yourself. Trust in God's word. Submit to God's ways, to his plan. God is a way maker. We are not the way maker. And Mary knew that. Joseph took a little bit, coming around, took a dream and, you know, and a little bit of time. But Joseph showed his character, revealed his character. So great character, character that is, that is godly is also contagious. Godly character is also contagious character. And we see this within this story. In fact, we know that Mary and Joseph had, had godly character and taught their kids. I mean, you may say, well, of course. I mean, yeah, you give me God's son to raise, and yeah, he's going to make great choices. He's going to be a person of high character. But, you know, Jesus had other brothers and sisters. So let's look at the non-sons and, you know, sons of God, and let's, let's look at the other kids who are just, you know, normal, right? Like us. 100% man, 100% woman. And let's look at them and, and, and see, did, is there proof that Mary and Joseph's godly character that they showed in the moment of crisis, and they probably had other moments of crisis, what, what kind of character was contagious? We see this in James chapter one, two through four. Now why James? Well, James is a brother of Jesus. They probably shared clothes, probably shared the same bathtub, probably shared the same bed. You know, James and Jesus, they, they knew each other very well. So James, we see this in James 1, 2 through 4. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That sounds like a man who grew up in the household of Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph's character was revealed in a time of crisis, but it was also very contagious because the other kids caught it. Now, it's also, to, it's also very important to understand that, that even though Jesus, Jesus was God in the flesh, he was God, but he was also man. He was part God, part man. And so as we look at how Jesus could have been like his father, uh, Joseph, his earthly father, let's Look at one example, and I'm going to turn to, if you would turn to uh, John chapter 8, verse 1 through 11. So 
John chapter eight tells a story, true story of, of Jesus being confronted by some Pharisees who brought an adulterous woman before him. So let's read this together, John 8, 1 through 11. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all of the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? Silence. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him, but Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote to the ground. At this, those who, who heard began to go away one at a time, the oldest ones first until Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Now why is that story important? Because it shows a mixture of godly character from his heavenly father and character from his earthly father. You see, this is a kind of a, a similar situation that Joseph faced. I could just imagine. I wonder how many times Jesus as a, as a child would, would sit down with, with Mary and Joseph, his mother and dad, and say, okay, okay tell me the story again of how, you know, you wound up pregnant, mom, and, and an angel came, and and like, you know, dad was gonna, you know, stone you, then he decided not to, and, and then he decided he was gonna divorce you, and then an angel came, and just tell me that story again, right? And I could just imagine, obviously we don't, we don't have this information, it would be one of the things I'd love to ask Joseph, but I could just imagine Joseph saying something like, well, well son, well, Jesus, I just couldn't be the one to pick up a stone and throw at your mother when I had my own sin to face. I could not cast that stone because I was not without sin. As a tribute to God, his heavenly father, and as a tribute to Joseph, his earthly father, Jesus did not, obviously, him being without sin, couldn't cast that stone, but he did not want to, uh, he did not want to use this moment, a waste this moment, and he, as a tribute to his earthly father and heavenly father, he said, hey, who, whoever's without sin, 
cast the first stone. You see, Jesus had the spirit of his heavenly father, but Jesus had the heart of his earthly father. He walked in the spirit of God, but the character inside of his heart, the character that Jesus walked in, he learned some of that from Joseph. You see, God knew, God knew that Joseph wouldn't have Mary stoned. God knew the character of Joseph before he sent Jesus into the world, before he chose him. And so that great character that Mary and Joseph had was contagious. In a moment of crisis, in a moment of crisis, we find the measure of our character. And that character is contagious. Can I tell you something? No matter if it's bad character or good character, that character is contagious. And so what you and I do in moments of crisis, in moments of grief, despair, anger, whatever, in moments of crisis, what we do reveals our character. And that character, whatever is, is revealed, whatever is displayed, is contagious. And so... This leads us to my third and final point. Not only will there, in the, after a crisis, there'll be, there'll be a revelation of our character, but there will be some confirmation. There will be a sense of, of confirmation. The, um, the confirmation is our reward. The confirmation is our reward. What was the confirmation with Mary and Joseph? I mean, besides, you know, Jesus actually growing inside her body. Okay, that's pretty much confirmation. And Jesus being born. But outside of the, of the circle of the situation, what was the confirmation? The confirmation was that on the night that Jesus was born, shepherds came. Shepherds out in the field came. Hey, we, we found you guys. And we were told in the field that... There's some angels. There was one angel, and then there's like a, a bunch of angels, and they started singing and like all this stuff, and they told us to go and find you. So we, we were freaking out. So yeah, we needed to find you, and it's amazing, and you're here. You can't tell me that's not confirmation. <laughs> that's confirmation, and that confirmation always follows obedience. Never look for confirmation. I'm not saying that confirmation never, never comes before obedience, but the stories in God's word that I've read in my own life, I find that confirmation usually follows obedience. So don't go looking for it before you, before you start obeying. But the other confirmation were the she- uh, not only the shepherds, but the wise men, the magi that came from the east, and we're gonna talk more about them next week. But the confirmation this confirmation from the shepherds and the, and the wise men, it just confirmed that, okay, we're not crazy. <laughs> we're not crazy. You ever had something in your life that gets confirmed? You're not like, okay, we're not crazy. <laughs> we've, we've had to follow God with various things in our life. And we 
say, this is crazy. This is crazy. This is nuts. What are we doing? Doubling our family adoption. What are we doing? Planting a church at the same time. What are we doing? It's crazy. But you know what? The confirmation, it just helps us to understand that sometimes when we follow God, a lot of times when we follow God, we do crazy things. We do in the eyes of man. With carnal minds, we, we, we do crazy things. God, as God asks us to do some crazy things. But that's okay as long as, you know, you're not crazy, you know, and doing it on your own. So, Mary and Joseph faced a moment of crisis that revealed the measure of their character and then eventually showed the, mer- the merit of, of their confirmation, the value of, of the confirmation that was coming. And then confirmation after confirmation after confirmation as Jesus grew up. Age 12, I was in my father's house. That's why he couldn't find me. I was here. Going and ministering, healing the sick, the blind, the lame, down on the cross, rising again, confirmation after confirmation. Some of you may be going through a, 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 a crisis, a moment of crisis. Some of you may have walked through a moment of crisis. Some of you will have to eventually. Sometimes there are various moments of crisis in our life. It could be the death of a loved one. Like my friend, Pastor Danny Eccles in Rockmart, who lost his son this week in a car accident. I'm going to a funeral today. I'm actually preaching at the church on the first Sunday in January just to help them out. So be in prayer for Danny and their family. But it could be something as simple as maybe you have odds with somebody in a relationship. There's just a lot of friction. It's, a, it's, a lot of, it's, it's creating a crisis in your life. Whatever the crisis you have, you have an opportunity to show your character and receive confirmation of the obedience that you trust in God. I put this on Danny's. Facebook page, every day, Danny Eccles posts a scripture, posts about the sovereignty of God, the goodness of God in the midst of his crisis. And I posted this morning, I said, I said, Danny, um, a moment of crisis, because I was preaching about it this morning, reveals a person's character. And I said something like, thank you for showing the character of of a godly man who trusts in God. And so that crisis will reveal a character. But ultimately, you will have a sense of a confirmation that you, what you're doing, you're following God. Just like Mary and Joseph, they had that confirmation. And so... If we, if we pointed back to us 
And I want to go deeper here as I close. The moment of crisis could be something, some experience, something that's happening in your life and your family around you. But let's go deeper than that. Let's go to your heart. Because I know this. Before someone comes to Christ, before someone asks Jesus to be Lord of their life, there has to be a moment of crisis. I'm not talking about a, 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 a bad experience. I'm talking about there has to be a crisis in your heart. And that crisis is called the crisis of belief. It's where you have to ask yourself, what do I believe? What do I believe? Or who do I believe? That crisis of belief leads you to show your character. To where you're either going to do things on your own. It's like, hmm, I'm just going to believe what I want to believe. I'll just believe in nothing. Or your character will show a sense of humility and say, you know what? I don't have this figured out. And I keep messing things up. And I need a savior. And you humbly come before him. And receive him. And invite him into your life. That shows your character. It shows your character. The moment of crisis, just like Mary and Joseph, a moment of crisis reveals the measure of your character. And then, if you choose to show the character of humility and say, you know, I do need Jesus. I can't do this on my own. You're going to receive confirmation. The confirmation is with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes inside you, and you, are, you look at things in a different way. There's kind of a stronger, louder voice, not audible voice, but a, a voice through your spirit that says, that guides you, saying, hey, let's do this. Let's not do this. Hey, let's dive into my word. I've got some things I want to show you. And there keeps drawing you and pulling you in, and you have confirmation that Jesus that the presence of God is living inside you. So the story of Mary and Joseph, what they went through, is a story of your salvation. You have a crisis of belief that leads to your character. What are you going to do? That leads to a confirmation of your decision to follow Jesus. And that's with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Some of you have been living with that crisis for too long. You're living with that crisis, and that crisis just keeps knocking and knocking and knocking on your door. Whether you're here or watching online, let's, let's go before God. Let's go before God and reveal your character. You either walk in a spirit of pride or a spirit of humility and receive him as Savior. Every head bowed, eye closed. Whether you're here or just watching online, I, I do want to make sure that you have this opportunity.
that moment of crisis has been wrestling in your life and it just won't go away. You have people in your life who keep talking things to you, keep showing you love, but also keep showing the truth. And that's because God loves you so much that he put people in your life. The reason you're here today or the reason you're watching online right now is because there's somebody in your life who God has sent to help guide you and to help see that there is a crisis in your life. And that crisis is between what you want to do and what God's plan is for your life. So no more with that crisis of belief. Let's make the decision now. Show your character and walk in humility. And that just means it's a simple prayer. So if you're ready for that, just pray these words after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I realize that I have a crisis of belief. I don't know what I believe, but I'm ready to believe in you. Thank you for sending Jesus to down the cross for me. Please forgive me my sin. Please come into my life. Be Lord of my life. And help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. As you're sitting here today or watching online, know this. If you say a prayer or something like that, that I know, I believe with all my heart, because I've seen it time and time and time again with my own kids and with uh, other people in my life, that you're going to receive confirmation that the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. I would love to hear about it because we want to have an, a way to help you grow in your faith. So if you said that prayer, you can see me today or you can send an email to pastor at lakepointonline.com. And I would love to know about your story and to know what God is doing in your life.